The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on Sunday. This is Sunday. about the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. Oh, guns up, getting up, wolf pack. You are listening to Failure to Stop. This is the number one podcast society and culture. My name is John. I am here on Comp Center with Drew Breezy. <laughs> I am I am here with you, John. This is the number one podcast for police mates, society and culture. It's also the number one podcast for the Comp Center with Drew Breezy. If you are new to Failure to Stop, this is our newest show. But earlier in the week, you can start out your Failure to Stop week Right. On Tuesday night, we have our night shift, which airs on YouTube at 8, 7 central with the mysterious Andrea Uplate, who will bring you true crime and mystery stories and Bigfoot stories. She does that with Eric Tanzi, who's the big boss, the media mogul around here. And then on Wednesday, Eric will also do his own show along with Dead Leg Media and other guests. It's called Last Call. And that show is for police officers so that you have something else to listen to and think about and talk about on the barbecue this weekend or what do you do ever you do in the winter that's different than dead babies and domestic violence because we don't want you to sound like an asshole on the weekend we want you to sound like a regular person that audio drops on thursday mornings on thursday night you're here on comp center with me and drew like i said my name's john that audio comes out on saturday so that we don't compete with the big show on friday that's the big case breakdown with eric tanzi the media mogul my man drew breezy uh, Drew, we got a voicemail from last week. Did you want to start playing? I do. We'll, we'll get into it in a second. Uh, I just uh, want to address real quick. Hopefully our technical issues are, are ironed out. Uh, John has found another week of employment in the Failure to Stop family, and we are thankful for that uh, because we love his beard. If you love John's beard, please put the number one in the chat. Uh, and if you don't like his beard, please put the number two. We have a voicemail from last week that we didn't get to play because uh, though the audio was supposed to drop on Saturday, it would have dropped on Saturday, 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 and Sunday, 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 Sunday. Uh, because we were in, we were mired in Echo. I still swear Echo is the new Dolby. John agrees with me, but unfortunately. Twice as good. It's twice as good. Unfortunately, the internet does not. Here is a voicemail. Take it away, Micah. Hey, Com Center. This is Micah. Just calling back to say uh, I just got done washing puke off my pants. I'm wearing my backup pants currently at work. I need you all to lift my spirits here next week. I know rough, last week was rough for you, um, but through your growing pains, I got faith in you guys. Looking forward to the next Com Center. Just do the damn thing. John, keep your head up. And uh, look forward to hearing from you guys. Looking forward to my days off. They can't come too soon. Guns up, giddy up, guys. Is that not right. the nicest thing you've ever heard? Yeah, Mike is pretty awesome. The Wolf Pack in the chats, if you guys don't know, like I said, this show is broadcast live on YouTube on Thursday nights, and the Wolf Pack is fans of Failure to Stop. They're telling us they can all hear Micah, which is great news. I wanted to say that if you if you like my beard and you want to support it, the best way to do that would be to go to iTunes or Spotify and leave my beard a five-star rating. If you do that, I will read it live on the air. Uh, if you want to leave us a five-star review about any of our other shows, Andrea's Shoulders, uh, Drew's Pithy Retorts, you could do that. 
those things really help grow the show. I want you to download the podcast, leave a five-star rating and review, and of course, buy you and yourself and your whole family a ghost bed. It would be communistic and weird to share, so make sure everyone in the household gets their own ghost bed. Right. Well, this is, uh, we love GhostBed. They've been a loyal sponsor since day one to the Failure to Stop show and Failure to Stop community. They're obvious members of the Wolfpack. I don't understand why they don't have a wolf bed. However, the fans just rave about them. They have a uh, super comfortable mattress. They last forever. And they're made in the good old USA. United States of America. Don't ever interrupt me again. Sorry, boss. <laughs> I am nobody's boss. Uh, I don't like Springsteen that much either. Every mattress has a 20-year warranty, and you can try it out for 101 nights. That's uh, a very spooky 101 nights because it's a ghost bed. If you don't like it, you can send it back. There are no hard feelings between you and the ghost bed folks. One of our favorite parts about ghost bed is each mattress has cooling technology, so if you get hot at night, like most, uh, I don't know, most people who sleep with a lot of, flannel on probably do or have thick beards um so these things are lifesaver because of the cooling technology in it so uh i think what you probably would want to do is uh enjoy a 35 percent discount if you go to it's either 30 or 35 percent look don't hold me to it i'm not going to kick in the other five percent unless you're going to give me 5% of your ghost bed. So 30% discount. If you go to ghostbed.com and you enter the code Wolfpack, I guarantee you're going to get the best night's sleep that you've ever felt. Last row Lopez is going to heal his stab wounds and stitches. Uh, and rumor has it that uh, when Eric cut his cast off, <laughs> he sent it to last row Lopez who uh, has it framed. And part of it is covering his stitches. So if he framed it, that was probably the least creepy thing that he could do with it. <laughs> it probably is. I don't know. You can make a planner out of it. Uh, I, I don't, I really don't know. So, um, but about ghost bed, it sleeps so good. It's scary. Ooh. 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 Yes. Okay. There's a little wolf pack thing for you. Well, John, how have things been going? <laughs> things have been all, all going good here drew you know it's been an easy week we've uh here in the snow we've been having a trucks turning over all day but nothing too terrible how's it going there in sunny south florida i have to say i just love all your instagrams when you get on there you say oh this is my home and you're in an indoor pool where it's warm it's not and there's a sylvan pool. glade and a, a herd of deer prance past you <laughs> you're like an old disney movie like song of the south where you've got little bluebirds alighting on your shoulder down there and then you're giving me crap about complaining in the snow i'm barely surviving out there the only good thing for me about the cold is that it preserves me from aging like the only reason I haven't died yet is from the cold, but I can't get anywhere in the snow. So oh, that's me, true. How, how are things going down in sunny South Florida? We all can't wait for hurricane season. How is uh, it? That, that's so true. It does preserve you from aging because anybody who's been a member of the Wolfpack knows that John is 76 years old. I am, yeah. So we, uh, we took a ski trip. My, uh, my beautiful family and I took a ski trip to North Carolina to find snow. You're right. I do live in paradise here. I live in, uh, uh, there's a beautiful backyard that I, I sit out and drink uh, coffee on the patio. And as one of my old uh, workmates uh, used to say, I watch the world wake up from back there. And um, so 
occasionally deer will prance by. There's a gator that has taken residence across the pond from us, and uh, it's quite bizarre. It looks like a, a dinosaur out there. But we, uh, so that was like today. I mean, you know, it's just good to be back home. I think I had to wear a hoodie for the first part of the morning. But when we went to North Carolina skiing, uh, it was a, um, it was a trying experience from the patient's standpoint, and I was trying not to be a patient. And I'm sorry to be so uh, quick with the wit, but that's the way things go. And it's ironic because just before we came on the air, I pulled up an article that talks about Apple, who is reportedly talking with emergency call centers amid complaints that skiers' iPhones and Apple Watches keep triggering 911 calls. Listen, I'll bet that America doesn't know this. And John, you can help educate them. Way back when, when 911 was created, I mean, it was a long time ago. I think 1986, most places had it. But it was, you know, it was obviously the first 911 call was long before that. It's 1962 in Alabama. Senator Rankin Fight performed the first 911 phone call. Very good. Rankin Fight. Uh, and that's, that, that's actually... Uh, I'm trying to think of something clever with rank and fight. I think that's exactly what we did in high school. We ranked and we fought. So uh, we we uh, were getting the world accustomed to 911 calls from their residences, and John didn't understand the 911, the, the, the issues with that, when you had to actually dial on a rotary phone. Because if you hit 811 and it's an emergency, you had to start all over again. So thankfully... DMTF or whatever it is, push-button technology came along. Then, within the last four or five years, or maybe six or seven, just very rapidly, we started seeing the emergence of cell phones. So I'd say in the, the call center where I worked, the, the, the comp center where I worked, um, I, I think the, the staggering statistic is, is about 90% of the phone calls that came in were from cellular uh, calls most of them like phase three or four, meaning there's some kind of technology in there that can identify where the caller's coming from. Some of them uh, don't have that luxury, but as we progress, uh, iPhones today possess technology or they're working on technology to not only show where you are on a map, but to show your elevation as well. And Apple Watches do the same thing. So when you fall down, Sometimes your Apple Watch will go into like an emergency mode. It's the same kind of technology that uh, police officers have used in their their radios. If you get into a fight, a tussle, and it's a certain type of digital radio, and you end up on your back, there's some kind of rocker switch or, or level in a the, man uh, down switch, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a man down switch, and 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 it just automatically starts broadcasting what you're doing. So. You have to be very careful that, you know, when you lay your head on your pillow in the morning that you shut your radio off. So uh, Apple is reportedly talking with emergency call centers that say they are dealing with an increase in automated 911 calls due to its crash detection feature on iPhones and watches. This comes from an article in the Insider, Business Insider. A spokesperson for the tech giant told the New York Post that it's getting feedback from emergency call centers who've seen a spike in automated emergency calls but didn't specify if or how the feature would be updated uh, to better prevent accidental 911 calls in the future. So 
Uh, it says that they're uh, automated calls and they're coming from skiers who have newer Apple devices with the, with its actual crash detection feature. The feature sends users a message and an alarm sound if it thinks there's been a crash, and users can dismiss the message. But if it passes 20 seconds, the feature sends an automated message with the user's GPS coordinates and a callback number to the closest emergency call center. So think about swooshing down the hill. Your beard is sw- uh, is uh, flapping in the wind, and you hit the first tree that you hit, and you don't realize that your Apple Watch or your iPhone has uh, has triggered the crash technology. I think if you've had an Apple Watch, you've probably held the wrong buttons down and you see that emergency countdown, 20, 19. Like, it's going to call emergency services for you if you don't take your hand off the button. Um, But if you're skiing and you have all that thick clothing on and a helmet like you're supposed to anyway, chances are you don't know that that thing goes off. So how does that affect a comm center when you start to get an influx of uh, calls like that, John? Well, first of all, if I'm skiing, 911 is appropriate because I'm terrified of skiing and I'm terrified of anything that involves heights and whatever you want to say about skiing, it is a controlled fall down a hill. Uh, We're getting a lot of 911 calls from uh, Apple iPhones. What I'm seeing the most is you take your cell phone, and I'm sorry, everybody, this is a filthy Samsung, but I'm just a poor public service employee. You put it in your cup holder in your car and there's two buttons on the side that when depressed will activate your 911 system. But what... What's happening more often than not is that's uh, deluging your 911 system with uh, bogus calls. So that that causes one of that causes two terrible things. Number one, uh, it takes uh, attention away from real emergencies and it focuses on, on nonsense, which is bad for anyone that's in a real emergency. Uh, it is a reality in 911 call centers that when many bad things are happening, sometimes 911 calls are put on hold. I would hate to be a 911 caller with an actual emergency and then be put on hold because the operator doesn't know what's on the other line. The other bad thing about it is that it makes 911 operators very jaded. 911 rings and uh, we have a provider for our emergency medical dispatch and they have kind of a buzzword for this and I think it kind of holds true but they call it the 300 call syndrome where you're so used to uh, routine calls, 911 calls being butt dials or accidental dials that all of a sudden when 911 rings and it's a bona fide emergency and it's something mildly terrifying that you're not psychologically locked in and ready to go. And that's a bad thing for an operator. So, um, yeah, because you, you can't, it's very hard to distinguish between a wrong 911 call, like a wrong number and just like an emergency where people can't talk. It's, it's almost impossible to, 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 um, distinguish between the two. And in fact, that's a, uh, a very um, prominent stressor in the community of 911 because are you listening to somebody gurgling death? Are you listening to somebody being choked? And we just passed a very important anniversary uh, here in Florida. Uh, Denise Amber Lee was, um, was the poor victim that was, uh, her, her father was actually a, uh, I believe a homicide sergeant at a sheriff's office close to here and uh, she was unfortunately kidnapped and in, in a trunk and, and attempting to call 911 and it just kept being passed from jurisdiction to jurisdiction because it was hitting different cell towers so unfortunately nobody ever got to Amber and, and she was you know unfortunately taken from us she was killed um, by her captors so um, uh, might be an interesting story to break down at some point but 
Um, just think of how harrowing that is for a 911 operator to sit and listen to. Uh, I mean, you're hanging on every word. You're trying to make out what what's being said on the other end of the line. And now we have this new wrinkle of technology where it could be just some dude skiing, you know, I mean, and, 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 and clogging up the system, so to speak. So uh, just, just for a frame of reference, just think about um, when, when you're on the interstate, you as a cop, you as a person, you as a traveler, you're on the interstate and you see a, a crash on the side of the road and you've been held up by traffic for a good six or seven minutes. Just think of how many people have actually called 911 over that same crash, assuming that the 400 people in front of them have it. People will call 911 until they see those red and blue flashing lights. And what that does is it overwhelms a communication center of only four or five uh, 911 operators, or in John's case, sometimes the 911 operator. And real true emergencies can't get through. They're going to overflow to some other agency and it's going to slow down the process. So um, just yeah, it, listen, I, go ahead, I, John. I've had it before where I witnessed a three par car pile up in front of me on the interstate and I got out to help. And the thing I said to my passenger was, don't you dare call 911 because that was the only 911 call I could, I could control. There's so many vehicles in the interstate. I knew that all those people are going to call. So I just got out and started helping and I didn't want her to call. Uh, you get kind of jaded as a 911 dispatcher to the point where you could, I've driven past a fully engulfed vehicle as well. And I decided not to call. I just decided to help because so uh, many people will call. Right. Yeah, somebody's got this. Like if it's if it's fully engulfed at this point, at least 20 people have called. You know, here's something that maybe the general public doesn't know or doesn't think about. And I don't even know if it I don't even know if it happens in your communication center, John. But the National Emergency Number Association, NINA, is kind of like a governmental agency that oversees 911. It's it's not regulatory. It doesn't I, I don't think that they have like rules that you have to follow, but definitely they, they give guidelines of what should be followed. And one of the guidelines is uh, a 911 call should be, 90% 90, 90 of your center's 911 calls should be answered within 10 seconds or less. Now, 10 seconds is an eternity for the, other pers for the person on the other end of the phone. That's probably three or four rings. So 90% of the calls have to be answered in 10 seconds or less. So what happens is... If all of the 911 operators are tied up, then an alarm, an audible alarm will go off to let everybody else in the communication center know like that are, that are in different positions, like as a supervisor or they're on a radio, to quickly log into 911 and start taking the overflow of calls. You can kind of predict when that happens uh, that there is a major intersection and a major crash. You, you just get, hey, are you calling about the crash at Dale Mabry and Waters? Okay, thank you for the call. We already got it. Um, so it, stuff like that happens. Until people see those red and blue lights or the, the red lights of the, of the Jason Kiefer Memorial fire truck, then they're just going to keep calling 911. But um, is that, do you have uh, alarms or, or, you know, stressors like that in your uh, confidence? Well, you know, according to, I believe, the FCC, you've got 8,000 250 or thereabouts call centers in North America. And each one of them is responsible to their local community and they're paid for by their local community and they're, or they're oversaw by different boards and depending on what jurisdiction they're in. So every 911 call center is a little bit different. For smaller ones like mine, uh, what happens is we have basically uh, 
we have two lines that come in for 911 calls. A 911 is a physical phone line, meaning it could hypothetically be busy. We have two for cellular, we have two for landlines. And then, so if you have four, if all of those are full with 911 calls, if the, the last one will roll over to an admin line, so the phone will ring like an admin phone. And then after that, it goes to our backup, which is another uh, 911 agency that's nearby us that we basically have mutual aid with. So they'll take the call, they'll start processing it. But basically they ask, they act like a buffer. They punt the football back to us and then the phone call will ring back into us. But at least at that point, someone in public safety has been made aware of it. If we've got a mass casualty incident or something like that going on and say they wanted to send a state trooper or something into our jurisdiction to deal with the problem, they can do that. So every, every agency is different, but uh, overflow is a, is a serious problem. 911 is a limited resource and Something you'll see, I know that they're dealing with in South Florida with a lack of operators is that the people dial 911 and a ring and a ring and a ring, and they'll get into a queue and then they hang up. And then because they're frustrated, they'll dial 911 again and then they're, they're back at the bottom of the line. Yep. Yep. So think about that. If you ever call 911 by mistake or whatever, just or, or a 911 operator calls you and says, hey, you called 911. No, it's not a joke because that's the first thing everybody says. You're kidding, right? Who is this? Yeah, they don't uh, believe you because on their caller ID on their phone, it doesn't say 911. They'll right. say, why doesn't it say 911? I'm like, because 911 doesn't work that way. <laughs> Do you right. want to resolve this or not? Um, so just uh, just think about that. And, and you're right, staffing is is definitely a big problem when it comes to especially to 911 calls. Think about, uh, and, and you know, I've said this in, in uh, failure to stop episodes, specifically when we're talking about Uvalde, like what, what's, what do you think is the first thing to go when – um, when an active shooter happens, I mean, what everybody is taught, if you're not running, you're calling 911. So if there's yeah. only three or four operators on duty at the time, and mm -hmm. in, in Uvalde CISD, I think there was only one, mm -hmm. all of the spare calls are going to flow out somewhere else. That's This is one of the major issues that occurred with Marjorie Stoneman Douglas down in South Florida. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was just the overflow, and then there was a lack of communication between the agencies uh, because one like one municipality's fire department started receiving an influx of calls and didn't communicate that to the, you know, the local police department or sheriff's office, or there was a whole commission about it. So just stuff to think about. I mean, uh, who, who's calling 911 during an active shooter? Every single person there. So think of a crowded shopping mall. Think about people who are texting home and then their parents are calling 911 from home saying my kids at the chess king in in the mall and uh and and there's an active shooter running through there think of all the cops that are calling up to a communication center hey What's are you doing something yeah. about an, uh, an active shooter and and they just get overwhelmed very quickly and it's understandable why and that's how the communication breaks down that's how whether the radios work on the inside of the building or not often more often than, than not, it's it's moot because you're not getting f the fresh intelligence or you're not listening to the fresh intelligence that the communication center would be providing you. There would have been so much intelligence coming into one operator in Uvalde that people were dialing them when I'm sure they were getting busy signals or they were getting diverted out of the area. And there were so many, and you'll have to forgive me on this, but if there's so many garbage 911 calls where someone's calling because they're scared, they have no intelligence or anything that's helpful to the police, they're scared of the situation, which is understandable. That's We don't want you to not call 911, but from a, from a tactical standpoint, from an information gathering standpoint, it takes so long to process through a caller who's terrified and hysterical 
even on these car accidents that Drew was mentioning earlier that bog down a system, you'll get multiple 911 calls on a, on a car accident. And you, the main thing I'm trying to ascertain is how many patients are there, how many patients are there, and how badly are they hurt, and how are they hurt. And so many callers will call because they're scared or they think no one else has called and they have no information. And I have to end up hanging up on them and moving on to the next call and hoping the next one does. So with Evaldi, between all the responders calling in and just the limited number of physical phone lines, which again, folks, is a wire going into a building, there's no way that she could have processed the amount of information coming in, let alone got it out. It's it's horrible. And in the you know, it's a it's an issue. And it kind of gets back, you know, maybe we were over lamenting last week about how dis- disrespected dispatchers are. But this is exactly what I'm talking about. If, if they're not treated as equals or peers, then you're not training them for uh, major incidents like this. And they are not only the important cog in the, in the, in the whole uh, scheme of things, they, are, they get the ball rolling. <laughs> the communication center is where, the, where everything starts. And uh, if you're not training them properly or you're not training, you're not incorporating them into your active shooter training, that's a problem. And, and it's, uh, it's unfortunately going to come back to, to haunt you if, God forbid, you do have a mass casualty event. This is not a mass casualty event, John. What we're going to talk about tonight, what we promised we were going to talk about tonight. This is serious stuff, Drew, and I don't want to make light of it. Oh, wait, no, I want to make light of it. <laughs> that's, what we, that's what we promised. This is... Uh, Making light of heavy situations. So uh, John's going to talk. We're going we're gonna to break down a call that, that happened in Columbus, Ohio, I believe it was. It was, a, uh, it was The first part of this is a 911 call. You're going to hear the caller. You're going to hear what a 911 operator has to, to deal with. John's going to talk a little bit about that. And then we happen to have the, uh, uh, the body-worn cam video of, of the outcome of the call. Um, and so you're going to... Uh, see an officer have his patients tried as well. Um, I, I just I want to be fully transparent. We took this from YouTube from uh, the a Daily Caller type um, uh, web um, YouTube channel. So we're going to be replaying that, but we're using it for educational purposes. But John, here we go. I want to start by let me see if uh, I can get this to work. The call comes in as a domestic dispute, which is one of the most dangerous calls that a police officer can go on because you're dealing with at least two people who are highly agitated and possibly armed, and one of them may not be completely honest about what's going on. Uh, But the caller in this case uh, was extremely agitating and extremely agitated. Uh, Calls into the call-in center, calls 911, and what happens here is a, a unique process in 911 that most people probably aren't familiar with, but it involves a 911 transfer from one center to another. And why would you want to do that? Well, your cell phone, what it does is it actually reaches out to the closest 911 tower near you, regardless of carrier. So every cell phone tower is a piece of physical infrastructure owned by Verizon, AT&T, or whatever. But when you dial 911, it goes to the closest one. Well, the closest tower to you may not be the one that's attached to the 911 center that sends the resource to your house. So in order to get the resource that was needed, the 911 caller had to transfer the call from one place to another. This is always an irritating process because no one on a 911 call can understand why a transfer is taking place. In fact, sometimes they'll grumble, well, it's not like this when I call in Omaha. And anyway, the process for that is normally what we call a warm transfer, where you're telling the next 911 agency everything that you know so far and the caller's on the line. And you try to make that a smooth process. There's reasons for that. Makes the caller more agitated, makes the 911 operator who's kicking off the call agitated, makes the 911 receiver 
very agitated. And this person engages in a power struggle with an I won't operator. They're angry. Normally, anger on a call indicates that somebody needs help. Uh, but in some cases, it just indicates anger. Drew, whenever you're ready, we can go ahead and play it if you are indeed ready. I'm quasi ready. Let's see if this will work. Hold on a second. Oh, this is what we needed to. If we don't have audio, we're going to have to go to plan B, but that's Excuse fine. Me, Northman, grab can you hear that? Just talking. Don't talk over me. Can you Do hear not that? talk over me. You're welcome. Ma'am, what's oh, going you're on welcome. there? No, you're, you're, thank you for talking over me. The Ma'am, our policy is for the other agency that you were talking to to announce the call. So what's okay, going on? Okay, but I am talking. I am talking, though. That means do not talk over me. I am the one with the emergency. I am the one who is about to f***ing pay you guys through my taxes, through my call. Right? Yes or no? Can you tell me yes what's going on no. at 3-8? Ma'am, if you you're going to get an EEL, I'm going to disconnect the call. Have a good day. Bye-bye. All right, so we're going to pause it here. We're going to pause it at this point, and John and I want to discuss a few things. First of all, John, uh, if, if I heard right, and I remember my days as a dispatcher, probably I was a little bit more short-tempered than, uh, and less patient than they were, but if I heard right, she hung up on her. Is that ever acceptable? It is under certain circumstances. It's not okay to do it because someone's berating you, and almost everyone's standard operating procedure it basically says, Callers are frustrated. Callers are angry. Callers are engaged in a power struggle. Callers are angry at the government. Callers are this, that, and the other thing. <laughs> because you're angry is not a good enough reason. Now, I, I hate to kind of play the classic failure to stop card, but what's the context on this? We didn't hear any 911 before this. We heard this lady already up to 11 yelling, I pay, your, I pay my taxes. Answer me yes or no right now who's in charge. Uh, I don't know what happened before this. Maybe it escalated slowly. Maybe the 911 operator didn't de-escalate it properly. Generally, once you've established that there is no emergency, you can. But and as you guys will see as the video continues, that I'm not sure a 911 operator could legitimately say that there was no emergency, particularly since here's something that is news for anyone that might not know. People that dial 911 often don't tell the truth. That's something I want to say to police officers, too, who make complaint about inaccurate or bad information, that we do the best we can with what we're told. And in this case, with the domestic, you're very likely to get poor information. Right. So uh, you talk about de-escalation with officers. Uh, this is something I, I kind of want to discuss here. Um, first of all, just in general, when you're talking to somebody face-to-face, -face, first of, uh, there's so many first of alls. The telephone tough guy is the worst human on the planet okay and she's obviously a telephone tough girl and she's nasty she's just downright nasty but you have to make an assessment as a 911 uh, operator or perhaps a, a law enforcement officer who's standing in front of this whatever she is does she really have an emergency because she's more interested in telling you about how you should do your job then she is about telling you what the emergency is. So these are some of the things that you can throw in with your kind of verbal judo over the phone or or like when you're standing face to face with her. I'm here now. It's just that repetitive persistence. You speak a little bit lower than she is and you try to calm her down. I, I understand that. I am here now, though. And how can I help you? And if she's continuing on her path of berating you, you can see obviously either she's in crisis or uh, she's she, she's got nothing but hatred for you. So uh, make sure that you um, 
pay attention to where her hands are or what she's doing if you're present. Let me uh, go ahead and play the 911 part over again, if you don't mind, John, just so people can get an idea. No, go ahead and play it. And remember uh, just one thing. Let's, after we break down the rest of the video, let's narrate it for our listeners. Got it. Excuse me, North Brinker Avenue. I was just talking. Don't talk over me. Do not talk over me. You're welcome. Ma'am, what's oh, going on there? No, you're, you're, thank you for talking over me. The Ma'am, our policy is for the other agency that you were talking to to announce the call. So what's okay, going on? Okay, but I am North talking. Brinker? I am talking, though. That means do not talk over me. I am the one with the emergency. I am the one who is about to f***ing pay you guys through my taxes, through my call. Right? Yes or no? Can you tell me yes what's going on? Three, eight, ma'am, if you're ready to give me the L, I'm going to disconnect the call. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Uh, the, have a, the have a good day is always just kind of like the little jab that... that, that that's, that, how you, that's how you stay out of trouble. You say, well, at least I was polite to her. Have a good I was, day. I was as courteous as I could be. I told her to have a good day. We're going to show the body cam, the body-worn camera video from here. Uh, a couple twists and turns in this little incident, but here we go. Hi. Sorry about that. That's quite all right. What's going on? A domestic dispute. Okay. And it's over. Everybody's okay? Everybody's okay. Are you the one who called? No. My daughter did. On you? No. On my... Okay. First observations first. Uh, she's holding a cig. Uh, she looks a little beat down. I mean, she's... Just been... cheated at big go. <laughs> she what? Just cheated at bingo. She more than likely cheated at bingo, but she's she's just got that look on her face, like I, you can tell by her tone, like she is just over this shit. You know what I mean? And she it, looks tired. Yeah, you, you have a you have worn. a tired woman there who can't believe she's doing this again. <laughs> she does look worn out. Uh, I also want to point out, and you'll hear it in a minute. Um, the only time the snowplow slash garbage truck slash uh, uh, Derek to pull up the uh, entire sidewalk in your city is ever going to be uh, at a house. It's going to be when you're there trying to conduct an interview. You'll hear what I'm saying in a second. All right, well, I need to talk to him. I need to see him. It is. You can see him. It's fine. It's fine. This, do you get the impression that she's like, um, listen, um, if you want to walk into this lion's den, I will open the cage for you. Uh, here's a stake. You might want to divert. <laughs> you might want to divert somebody's attention away. You'll see what I mean in a second. I'm a little sad she didn't give a smoke to the officer. You're gonna need this, yeah, right? Uh, yes, I I am up to twenty packs a day. All right, here we go. I'll let him come out if you don't mind. It's Is there any weapons involved? I have one in the safe. It's locked up. You need to. The, the voice sounds. Familiar. You cannot do that. I'm here. I, you have listen. to unlock the door. I'm here. Open the door, please. Uh, if you'll notice by the trash can, there is a Christmas tree stand. So we're dealing with holiday stress, I guess. He's That's not. Fine. I'm not coming in. I'll be right back. Okay. Keep the door open. No, I'll shut the door. No, this is not an option. I'm going to stay right here, as I'll respect that. My mom said she'll be right back. That means you you work for us, sir. I called you. Appreciate that. Okay, so can you put no. your foot... 
You are violating my privacy. I need. Bet you don't. First of all, enough. appreciate that. That is verbal judo number one. <laughs> Not appreciate. Not appreciate because he doesn't appreciate it. It's appreciate it. Uh, right. I, <laughs> yes, that is kind of passive aggressive. Like, appreciate ya. Uh, she is wearing a turtleneck. All right. Here we go. To shut the door. And a house coat. You understand I'm here because you called? I called? So you made me your business. I got to tell you, that is my favorite line. I, I've used that on more than one occasion. Um, hey, I just want to remind you, you called me. I, I really... T- I wasn't interested in talking to you today. I, I don't know Honestly, who you are, but you called I'm me. I'm sorry, but that's the biggest point in modern police politics. <laughs> Every single one of these things that Eric and Mike have broken down over the last year and a half and that you guys talk about, that's always been the thing I've always been screaming at my phone. Like, these bad situations, the cops got called there. They didn't want to be there. Right. <laughs> uh, you called me. Okay. Yeah, and well, and they hung do? up on me, so... Listen, that wasn't me. Don't take that out on me. I'm only here to help, to understand what happened. And then I'm going to walk away if everybody's okay. It's easy. I'm not I trying like to... I would like to shut the door. I don't... She really has no defense to this. And and I've got to commend this officer for his patience. And he's doing exactly what I just talked about. I used to teach this in interviews and interrogations as well. What are you going to do when somebody is just talking softly to you and looking at you in the eye and just kind of trying to reason with you? Um, you know, she's still supreme bitch, but at least her voice is lowered. At least at least it's not nails on a chalkboard at this point. I want you to do that. I want to make you sure I talk to you. don't have a you. warrant to come in my house. I'm not going in. Emily, stop arguing. You guys want to talk to me, please? Stop arguing. About so. what? Emily. Have a good afternoon. What's going on? Please. Um, Would you want to step outside and talk to him? Yeah, you can step outside so I can shut the door finally because he wants to violate my privacy. Uh, no, it's it. so wrong. It's Emily. so wrong. There are many things I want to violate in this world, sweetheart, and your privacy is the last one. I'm not like, no, sure. I'm not we paid him with our time, dude. Like, you now, look at this kid. Period. I know she called the cops. Michael Sarah's doppelganger. Here we go. Because she was being really disrespectful. I threw away her bacon and I told her to leave. And then I got really upset. I picked up the tote, I dropped the tote, and then I went into my room. And yeah, she went outside and called the police. This is normal? Unfortunately, I'm not passing judgment. Please don't misunderstand any of this. I know. Is this what you're dealing with? Yes. Sometimes it's easier than other times, and right now it just kind of crossed the line. Yep. She is completely, like, the mom is completely bewildered. He is just like, oh, I just cannot wait. He's just like, will you arrest us so we can go? <laughs> Could, <laughs> officer, I'm about to grab for your firearm. Yep. Uh, and let's just see where it goes. Did anybody put hands on anybody? No. Okay. It's just, it gets very, we all have different views on life, and we all want to live differently. Not happening. I respect all that. And um, I can't. The trash truck, by the way, is fighting with another trash truck. I can't. I can't kick them out. They're my kids. I understand. And we're trying to all deal with this. How old is she? She's 20, uh, 22. Okay. Did you catch that? I, I know there's gale force winds. Uh, she's 22 years old. And, and the mother, I get the mother 
who's forever protective of her children, but um, she's 22 years old and she talks to <laughs> America that way and she talks to the police that way and she talks to her mother that way. Um, and obviously she's upset. Uh, she upset her very chill kind of brother to the point where um, he threw her bacon and eggs in the trash. John, do you have anything to add? Well, I mean, I would definitely throw her bacon and eggs in the trash. Uh, she's talking about how this police officer is intruding on her space and violating her privacy and her rights and all this. She's like, I don't want to. <laughs> You're not a pleasant person. <laughs> Anything else, we will, my, I just can't wait for my next call of some terrible things. I'll be at least be able to shake you out of here. <laughs> right. shake, you off, shake you off of what's going on in my day. Your ride is here. You know, I just, with all the trash truck activity, I just want to say, hey, your ride is here, Oscar. Mm -hmm. He's 20 and she's 22. You know, I would like to say something. I like how I call you guys in a real emergency. This was a real emergency 10 minutes ago. But I like how I call you guys in a real emergency uh, seven years ago when my life was literally threatened and I'm like literally. Look at the look on the mother's face. Oh, she's got her eyes closed. She's just she's heard this before. <laughs> it's priceless. She does not. This is basically the parrot on her shoulder who keeps biting her ear. Uh, and you guys take an hour and a half to show up. I like how I call and I scream at you guys, and then you show up you like that, like snap of the fingers. Can you please go in? So I was here quick, and you're telling me to get lost. I mean, it can't be both ways. We're doing. <laughs> so, so I want to I want to commend this officer. Number one, he's the most patient person <laughs> in the world. He's more patient than I would be, but he's also just super empathetic to the family. Because earlier, I don't know if you caught it, because I can tell you guys are dealing with this all the time. He can see that they're beaten down. Yeah. He's I'm not passing judgment on you, and like it's almost a hallmark. I'm not moment. passing judgment. You can see the hand on his body cam. It's beautiful. Yep. Uh, yeah, so she she's basically saying, it's funny how I called for help seven years ago. That's the girlfriend line, funny how, and now she's going to bring up all your past mistakes. Which, <laughs> right. Was this guy even there seven years ago? She remembers, though. She remembers right. the police making a mistake seven years ago. And her lament is that, I so I got a little snippy with one of your dispatchers, and you show up within seconds, you know? Okay. The best we can. I only came here to help, and you're doing no, this. Oh, and then, by the way, her complaint was uh, you took forever to show up seven years ago, but you showed up within minutes this time, and now you're here bothering me. So he's kind of like, do you want me here or not? Like, what are we doing here? Uh, and then we're going to see a little twist at the end that that always happens. I may be guilty of it myself. Hold on. I was fixing breakfast, and my brother throws all of my food away in the trash and starts screaming at me. So I just wanted to de-escalate the situation. It's de-escalated now. Thanks for coming. Bye. Huh? Okay. So you're in a better place now. So obviously there is another officer that has got this uh, uh, parrot's attention uh, because she is now, she is hand on hip and has uh, cranked her head uh, over towards the other officer. I don't know if you could hear the question. I, I can't. I, I couldn't really hear it. But the this poor officer who has had to put up with this tirade up to this point and just had everything settled down is now having to deal with a new set of questions, and he's trying to disrupt what is happening here. 
So let me go back. Yeah, me. So I just wanted to de-escalate the situation. It's de-escalated now. Thanks for coming. Bye. Bye. Huh? Okay. So you're in a better place now, right? You walk away. You're in a better place now. My question would be, were you treating your brother the way you're treating us? Because that might have something to do with the problem. Y'all need to leave. <laughs> well, guess who's in charge? Mom, can you tell them to leave, please? Good luck. Thank you. There's counseling available. It exists in the world. And I'm in it. Thanks. Bye. Okay. okay you don't have to be okay. rude. All right. She's 22. Wow. All right. It's a white shirt that showed up. So uh, that's th that doesn't really mean anything because I think in Columbus they um, – He was wearing a black shirt, so I'm guessing it was probably a supervisor. Well, no. He was – was he wearing a black shirt or was he uh, – hold on. How do I get out of this? Uh, was he wearing a black shirt or was he wearing a jacket because of the – Could be. Yeah. I know that there are a lot of Ohio guys that – just hate their lives and they want to do laundry all the time. So they're wearing white polyester. So, well, our shirts were white here in Florida, but, uh, and that's always been a complaint of the people that I used to work with. I used to wear, yeah. When I became a Sergeant, we switched to white too. It's like, I don't know. It's just the greatest <laughs> plague of rank. That's all I can tell you. Yeah. Um, all right. So yeah. Where do you start on this one? Right. Yeah. First of all, the, the daily caller or whatever says, this is the worst 911 call ever, the most insane one or whatever it was. First of all, this is, uh, it's so terribly mundane. I feel so bad for police officers and yeah. dispatchers who are dealing with this kind of thing every single day. We, we agree on that. So pretty tame actually. Right. And she, she had the audacity on her, you know, uh, just at, at every single turn, but at least she did admit she was in counseling, but it, I just have to commend the police officer because, you know, there's counseling out there, you know, and he's <laughs> trying to point it in the right direction because he doesn't want to come back. Yes. And he's doing the Lord's work right there. But unfortunately, she needs to probably just be in counseling all the time, possibly an inpatient situation. I, I would agree. So if lest anyone think that this is a unique 911 call, I would say this happens um, probably 365 times a year, if, if not if not more there's at least one a day that is that nasty uh and some some successive some like uh excessive and sus successive so uh some people will call five and six times in one day with that same tone and that same attitude because they're Fre not frequent flyers yeah and she's bringing up this thing that happened all these years ago but i'm guessing that if you check the call log she's called more recently than that it's not just the thing that happened long ago and today Right. Um, and so uh, officer gets a thumbs up, in my opinion. I think he, I think he handled it. Great his, job. His, Excellent his, job. Himself yeah. well. uh, mother gets uh, the uh, bear hug of the week from my loving arms. Well, I don't know. She created the situation, too. Like, uh, I think Tansy is, would get in here and say, well, where are the parents at? You know, the parental. And That's so I true. Think, I think mom looks like she's beaten down, but maybe she never stood up to her. I don't want to break down mom, of course, but I also just don't want to. I don't want to let her off the hook there. She was smoking a cig. Uh, dispatcher gets uh, points because one that that had to be transferred from one agency to the other. I don't know if you all caught that from the beginning, but uh, that that happens. So um, before we go to our first call, John, do do we um, do we well, charge people with 
that's exactly the them. point I wanted to make. So when you go to this YouTube video and you see, you know, well, she should be charged with misuse of 911. Every jurisdiction is different, but I could tell you a state's attorney has uh, a limited plate of things that they can take on. And when you're talking about misuse of a 911, you're talking about a low misdemeanor. You're also talking about taking a situation that's completely over and dragging it out and dealing with it for however long it takes to manage a class two misdemeanor. Maybe that's worth it. Maybe it's not. You also really don't want to create a situation where you're having 911 callers being punished for using 911. Was it, was this a situation where she couldn't use it? Her attitude seems to dictate maybe not. And the report about her chief complaint about her eggs and bacon going in the trash would seem to indicate this was a misuse of 911. But for all the 911 dispatcher knew, and for maybe all the police officer knew, and for all we know, maybe there was something else going on that we don't know about that she frankly intimidated everyone into silence about. I think that's entirely possible too. But we don't want to charge people for using 911 because we generally want to have an open system. And generally, the more calls, the better. And it means that operators have to suffer, but I guess we want people to call. At the end of the day, that is a domestic situation. It's a it's a fight right. between two adult kids, 28 and 22, and it could escalate into uh, something very violent, and it does require police attention, um, at least just to make sure that everybody's okay and nobody has been beheaded. Uh, it doesn't really matter what her demeanor is. Um, you know, as far as calling uh, misuse of 911 calls, there are appropriate times when y- you might need to charge somebody with that to get them to stop calling 911. I mean, uh, there are examples of, um, you know, when you're standing on somebody's porch dealing with them and they're calling 911 to, uh, yeah, to complain my son's in you. a police car. Like, well, the police are already there. <laughs> right. So I'm not sure what's the next step for you. So, um, but that's, that's kind of like an immediate band-aid. It, and you're right, it probably rarely gets uh, prosecuted. I think they probably say the prosecutions for... Uh, we we had we've had a few serial nine one one callers that you c- you couldn't isolate you couldn't figure out where they were com- calling from and it's just another dangerous uh, way to do things because you're tying up an emergency line I mean that's the purpose of the statute so um, I do ha- I do have a pro tip for states attorneys out there I mean just really step out of my lane but if you are going to prosecute something like this and a, say a condition of sentencing or bond is that someone not harassed 911 do yourself a favor and throw in the bond condition that they're not allowed to call the state's attorney's office either because instead of calling 911 they're just going to call you directly <laughs> that's a great point they're good they're good quick with the phone mm-hmm. uh, we do we're gonna walk on the tightrope without a net here we have someone in the chats. We Waiting a long some, time. We have somebody who is sitting in the queue of, of our calls. We are a call center, so to speak. We have somebody by the name of Hydroman Blue, who we love and adore, and we're going to take our very first phone call, and let's see if this works. Hydroman Blue, how are you? Well, it's about time y'all answered the phone. I've been waiting on my neighbor to fix this flagpole uh, for Three damn days now, and y'all still haven't showed up. For those of you who don't know, Hydroman Blue has actually been uh, is having an issue with the uh, the height and the dimensions of the flagpole of his neighbor, um, and he has actually been on hold for about thirty six hours now. So, Hydroman, uh, has anything been fixed or solved in the thirty six hours that you've been on hold? Uh, 
Okay, well, well, yeah, yeah, the police, they didn't like coming out here, so uh, I got a court date for uh, misuse of 911. Uh, <laughs> well, that's very topical. We, we were just talking about that. John, do you have any advice for Hydroman Blue, who's having an issue with the height of the flagpole of his neighbor? I, I'm just sad that didn't get resolved in the last couple of days. And we have dead air. So, Hydroman, uh, I, I can't thank you enough for calling, for hanging out with us. If anybody else wants to do what Hydroman did, uh, wants to take this risk to join us on this journey, we are at 848-COM-911. That's 848-266-6911. It's been crawling at the bottom of your screen, hopefully, for the entire show. Hydroman, do you have any final words for John specifically, not for me? John, make sure your flagpole is at least 20 feet high and your flag is five feet by three feet. Uh, and I never had any problems getting things to the right size. <laughs> I, that beard tells me you might line, brother. <laughs> All right. Keep your flagpole illuminated and we can't thank you enough for calling and I'm sorry that uh, we're cutting this short at 2 minutes and 20 seconds after you being on hold for 36 hours. But thank you for proving to the United States of America that we can actually take a phone call without a severe echo. If anybody else would like to call and join this kind of fun, you can do so by calling 848-COM-911. That's 848-266-6911. Uh, we are waiting to hear your complaints. We want to hear uh, about... Uh, the time you've been stabbed we um w we want to hear it all uh, if you do have any anything at all if you're 911 dispatcher if you feel like you've got something to add to that conversation go ahead if you're a police officer and you feel like you got something to add you're welcome here too just go ahead and give us a ring this is uh, the first time we've succeeded at getting our phone callers to call in so we'll pretty much talk to anybody if you want to call yeah this is pretty much like uh nikolai tesla testing the the, yeah, it was in the prestige. I'm sorry. This is the only experience I had with Nikolai Tesla. This is him perfecting the teleporter. Sorry. Oh, my goodness. Have, has he perfected the teleporter? Um, I, I, other than that, I, I really don't know what else to talk about. Uh, and there are no other calls or no other voicemails. I want you, though, to tell all of your friends about this show especially if you're a dispatcher, because I want to give you a voice. I want you to tell all your friends if you're a cop about this show, because I really want to get things loosey-goosey in here. We uh, hope in the future to break down some more 911 calls that are associated with body cams so we can both have a little bit of input and uh, use John's expertise as well as mine. Uh, tomorrow on Failure to Stop, The Breakdown, it's going to be Friday, uh, the Friday show, the flagship show. We are going to broadcast live on this very channel, YouTube. And um, the show is one that you will not want to miss. Listen, we have been talking about, the, uh, if, if you're on the internet, if you're on the interweb anywhere, you know about this Laverne, Tennessee uh, Police Department. And um, it's, it's very low-hanging fruit. As, uh, as somebody in our group chat has uh, said, it's, it's well-hung, but it's very low-hanging fruit. 
And we're all kind of sick of it and kind of over it because the memes are getting pedantic and they're just, they're boring, to be honest. They're not really that funny. What is serious about this, the thread of, um, of uh, integrity in this whole thing, is that they brought a tarnish to the badge. So, uh, you know, I give the example of when I first started, um, you know, Rodney King happened or, or something major happened. And I'm a cop in Florida doing a traffic stop, and I'm, I'm you know, they're, they're referencing things that Rodney King uh, being beat, you know, and that's thousands and thousands of miles away from me. It's got nothing to do with me or my agency. So when you tarnish the badge, we all suffer in some form. This is kind of what we're going to be, ta- be talking about tomorrow. We have a great guest on. His name is uh, Marlon Marach, Marachi. He is a retired sergeant from the LAPD. He used to work in internal affairs. He is a definitely an expert. He can be an expert witness. And um, we are going to have him on as a guest tomorrow. We're going to kind of talk about uh, the integrity of, of the badge. We're going to talk about internal affairs issues. And hopefully you'll walk away with a different perspective because I've had some uh, – I've had a case – where I've had to be in front of internal affairs. I've also had to, um, I, I've also had plenty of friends who have run internal affairs. And let me tell you, it's not a picnic. And they quash more cases than anybody will ever know because they really can't or won't talk about them. And uh, a lot of them uh, have nightmares at night. I do see that Carly uh, once uh, is a former dispatcher and has uh, a complaint. I would love to hear from Carly. She's one of my favorites. Get her on. Here she is. Carly, are you there? I think so. Can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you. Great. Oh, good. Can you hear me now? Yes. Carly, we can hear you. Good to talk to you. (laughs) Perfect. I just had one complaint, and it's probably my biggest pet peeve. Knowing your location. No, I don't know where you are. I'm doing the best guesswork possible with very, very limited resources. So if I ask you what street you're on and you yell at me, I will get pissed. That's outstanding. (laughs) Well, know your address. Sometimes, like, if you're disoriented, you know, you're freaked out, don't know, that's one thing. If you're at home and I say, where's your emergency, and you say, my house, that's not enough. you got to know your address. Right. Oh, that's my favorite. I can't just pick the address like off my shoe and be like, oh, yeah, duh, there. <laughs> that's everyone's uh, biggest pet peeve. Thank you for saying that. I'm glad you brought it to all of our attention. Yeah, that's that's huge. Uh, or, or even having to confirm the phone number. I mean, they're like, you, you know, you don't have caller ID. No, I don't. what I don't have is time to argue with you. So if you would just Answer. confirm the phone number, yeah. that would be so great. Yes, just Carly, so thanks for calling in. I, 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 I hope you call us every show. Yeah, Carly. I can promise every other. <laughs> <laughs> please, please call us again. That'll be good. Okay. Thank Alrighty. You. Have a good night. Thanks. Thank you. Thank yeah, you, thanks. Carly. We are going to go to Micah, uh, who is a standby and a favorite and everything else. He wants to check in and give uh, an update on his baby's initials. Which were going to be COM, I believe, or FTS. Not sure. But, uh, Micah, how are you feeling this evening? 
I, I'm doing great. And uh, the term, I believe, is infamous. Oh, infamous. I'm sorry. But yes, yes, that's usually how I'm referred to. Uh, yeah, calling to check in on you guys, see how things are going. I also, yes, my uh, daughter, um, we're kind of in a holding pattern now with labor and delivery. I, she may be coming before February 1st, but Goodness. her initials are C-O-M. God bless nice. you and God bless your daughter. We're going to have to have her as a guest on the show. <laughs> right. Yes, as soon as, as soon as she can talk. As soon as she is birthed, we will, um, she will be... be- set- being heard on this show has never been a big tradition around here. <laughs> yeah, she may just echo. Uh, I, I did leave out somebody important in the equation. Uh, God bless your wife, because apparently she's she has some role in this, I would think. Uh, but um, yeah. congratulations. Yeah, she does play a minor role. She does play a minor role. Are you in a, a vehicle right now on Bluetooth? Yes. That's good. I just... Uh, well, I think that it sounds yeah, Bluetooth cool. should be off. No, 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 it sounds great. I just, uh, I just was wondering. So, Micah, Micah, thanks for calling in and always checking on us and leaving us voicemails. I think you're probably at the top of the list for people that are calling in and talking to us. We yeah, are. Well, I will always check in on you guys. Micah, you are our number one fan. I've got to say, one of our number one fans, anyway. So please hang on the line. Our screener is going to get your information, and we are going to send you a Com Center with Drew Breezy bookmark. Thank you, Micah. <laughs> Thank you, guys. All right. John, uh, I don't know that I have anything else other than uh, a heavy set of eyes and uh, a grumbling in my tummy. Jo- do you have anything? Yeah, I haven't eaten all day, so I'm, I'm jonesing to do that. Okay. Uh, Looking forward to the show tomorrow. I've been a big fan of Failure to Stop for a year and a half. You're doing a great job on Fridays. You're just knocking out of the ballpark every week. To the Wolfpack and the rest of our listeners, this is Failure to Stop 2.0. We are doing our best to grow as changes are happening. Remember, like, subscribe, hit that like button on the YouTube. Tell your friends, call into the show. And if you don't like us, do all of those things twice as much because it's the only way we'll know for sure. Tell your Aunt Sally and tell your Aunt Sally to tell her two friends to listen and download these podcasts. And if you do want to leave a rating and review uh, that is Three stars or under, John's beard will respond to you. For mm-hmm. John and all of the Wolfpack, I say, guns up, giddy up. Arroo. Guns up, giddy up. Good night.